0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to another Mangum Talks podcast. This is Mangum Talks Shogun. It is a episode-by-episode episode review of the FX series Shogun. I am your host, Lee. I'm here. I'm joined by my co-host, Spencer Spencer. How you doing? Are possibly more excited than I've ever been to start a podcast. So excited for a couple reasons, right? One is we've been away. We've been mm-hmm. away. The people have wandered. We've gotten many inquiries about what's going on with the podcast channel i appreciate everybody who's written in concerned that we weren't on the air for a couple of months uh we took a couple months off we had a really busy 2023 we took a couple months off we had a great holiday we uh we've recharged uh spencer now is willing to talk to me like i think there was a, i think i've used up <laughs> had a break. You know, like video you know like a video game you use up your life bars i think i used up all my spencer bars
1: you, you used up all your life bars used up all your save game slots Hell, you, know, you were using up like your parent like limitations on childhood playtime. That it was getting too much.
0: Locking the iPad like you just can't. You can't even go up, into yes. the different child yeah, controls it, were in effect. He was Spencer was tired of me. Hopefully now there's a there's a bit of nostalgia in speaking with me. He's back. <laughs> we're gonna hang out. We're gonna talk. We're gonna talk Shogun. That's the second thing I'm really excited about. Is that we are talking Shogun, which. We have do we do we need to start by just telling everybody our history with this this Please, story?
1: Introduce our audience.
0: No, no, no! It's you got to do it. You got to do okay. it because you're you're the one that get that gave it
1: to us. Uh, not to bury the lead, Shogun is one of my favorite books. It is a book that has meant a lot to me. It was a book that my dad provided me when I was like 12 or 13 years old. Of hey, I think you'll like this, and I, as Lee, did 30 years later when I handed him a, a 1,200 page book, stared at that thing as like four times over the longest book I was ever even pondering, ever reading, and thought my dad was just full of crap. He told me, read 100 pages, come back to me. If you make it 100 pages in, I guarantee you'll finish the book. Lo and behold, not only was he right, but by the end of it, I was almost more disappointed than I've ever been to finish a novel. And as, in a way that only historical fiction can truly achieve, really good historical fiction, it introduced a history, an era a culture and a people to me in a way that I then found fascinating to read about and explore about more thereafter. And that is something that I think is a testament to the book. It's a something, part of the reason that Mil, this is the bestseller beyond bestseller in terms of how many millions of copies it's sold and that it's even been adapted before. So I am decidedly excited and even trepidatious on how well this adaptation will do.
0: I, I appreciate that the way that you explained that was all about your history with it. And none about the recent history that you and
1: I have had. Oh, right. Publish. Yeah, I did a thing with yeah. you. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> also. <laughs> it's so
0: what, fascinating that you went right to. This has been a lot to me. Let me tell you about childhood. Uh, not not the what the I, dynamic you and I have with this medium.
1: I will also introduce how I exposed you to it. Of where uh, Lee and I and our, also our friend Doug have a thing of where each year, at the beginning of the year, first thing we do is we buy each other a book. A book that means a lot to us but that we know, upon checking, the other two have not read. And so, what was it Was it the first year we did this, or was it the second year we did this? It was this? the what, first year. That was the first okay. year so we did it. First year, almost as a certain measure of hazing, I sent them the 1,200-page Shogun God, book. Good gracious, folks. I what, mean, what was your immediate uh, reaction when this thing arrived in the mail at your door?
0: It was like, you know, we do these little things to try to... Stay buddies, stay connected, you know, stay friends over distance, right? You know, Doug's halfway across the world. You're down in Florida. I'm up here in North Carolina. We were just way far away from each other to try to to, to bond and connect. And it was, it was, the first thought I had is it's very much like Spencer to burn this whole idea to the ground (laughs) right away. Kill
1: the ground. Just
0: kill it. Just right away because he gives us a 1,200 page book. And I, so, but true to my word, I read the thing. And I'll tell you this. Um after the first hundred pages, I did I also loved it. It does get slow at a part, and I think that I was in retrospect a little harsh in putting it down at the slow part because it had been so good before. Um but I did put it down, finished it later. And what is interesting to me about this book is that like it's it's called historical fiction, I believe. Yes. It reads like fantasy because they, if you're, if you live in America in 2024, it reads like fantasy because sure. it takes you to a place that is so alien and so foreign to America in 2024 that it feels like you're just learning Narnia or you're mm-hmm. learning, you know, uh, you know, the city state of Andor or, you know, what the hell ever a different planet. Um, and it starts to read like fantasy. I really liked it when I first started reading it you and I back went back and forth about it. But what is interesting is that when we got to a certain point in the book, I put it down and Doug put it down. And that was, that was a little bit of a double whammy we gave you that both uh, of us said, ah, too boring to put it
1: down. You, you both simultaneously have never more dashed my hopes that within one day of each other, you both at almost the exact page said, eh, I'm not interested anymore. It's like, I have, n- I was deflated. You guys were so excited. You were sending me daily updates and then suddenly it stopped.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Two thirds of the way in it does get, it does the, it quality it down a bit picks, it picks, it picks flight, up, yes. the, it picks up later. Um, but that's, that's it. Right. So we've got this book that you like the source material. This is a big change for our, our listeners. Typically, if we How have rare? source material that you know of, you generally don't like it or you are very, very weary of any adaptation. So let me stop there and ask that, that the, the golden question here that everybody's wanting to know. Spencer, from the onset, are you supportive of FX doing an adaptation
1: of this or not? I am supportive of an adaptation of this. I, FX and material, I actually don't have much association with. I haven't watched an FX show in many a year. I know they've come out with some great shows, so I know what they're capable of. But I have, i don't have like the same commitment that, to them that I do to HBO. If HBO was putting on an adaptation or something, I'm like, well, I'm watching that. Because I've got it's a more trusted name brand to me. FX, I don't know as much, but... Shogun's been adapted before and adapted pretty well back in 1980 with the budget of a college production. Now, with proper money being thrown its way and a similar amount of time committed to it, I'm excited.
0: So we're not in the area we are in, like Star Wars, where you like the source material, you wish they'd stop. Like we're not there. <laughs> no. You're at. You like the source material, and you are open minded to an adaptation of said source material. So, what I think we're all hoping for here is that you'll like it. And that, uh, you know, you'll be excited to continue the story with it week by week. What I really am, am, oh gosh, do I really hope this does not happen, is that the first couple episodes fall flat, you kind of check out. I really hope that doesn't happen, because I know how much you like the story, how much the story means to you. And like, I hope that the first couple episodes are bangers, that way we're, we're
1: really locked in. That's my hope here. This is what I'm aspiring for. This is what I'm committing to. But regardless, whether it disappoints at the start, whether it reaches incredible heights only to go start going down at the exact point you started to find it less interesting, I'm in for the duration and excited to talk about it with you.
0: I am too, and we're going to start covering it. I think it when does it when does it premiere? The 26th, I believe.
1: Yeah, end of February um, somewhere. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Let's let's look that number up. Let's make sure we have it right. Um, I'm excited. We're going to go week by week with this, and we are going to release these episodes on Tuesdays. Um, Tuesday nights like we have uh, with so many other different podcasts. 27th so the date 27th hmm okay so 27th and then the following Tuesday you'll get pod one and we'll just follow week by week in that same way uh, we'll do our, our typical format that we do here at Mangum talks where we do a beat-by-beat beat recap Spencer and I tend to do a more detailed recap than you're going to get in other uh, review shows that we do on Mangum Talks because Spencer and I like to talk about every aspect of the show. We'll likely do the same thing here. We'll do a fairly detailed recap and then we'll go into some segments. Uh, the segments we end up choosing uh, we'll come up with later. We'll figure those out later, but I can tell you that at least one part of the podcast will be a sort of shut off for non-spoilers and jump into spoilers. And we'll do that each episode, right? Like we will mm-hmm. talk about the episode as we've seen it at what we're looking at on the television show, like with the television show, if they cover something that has been covered in the book, we can draw parallels then, right? Because it's, mm-hmm. it's, already, it's already been covered. And then we'll do a couple, a couple quick segments and then we'll, we'll turn off the spoilers talk or non-spoiler talk and we'll go into, okay, let's talk about how we think about this in context of the story and not really worry about spoiling the plot for people. So we'll at least have that segment on the back end for a few
1: minutes every episode i'm looking forward to it man this is going to be an exciting podcast this is as you said it's one of the few of where i am unquestionably more dedicated to the source material than you are and that's gonna be a fun shift of the balance and i'm expecting no small amount of taunting from you before we're done with this
0: probably yeah especially if they're especially if like episode seven's bad and eight's bad <laughs> and it starts to get <laughs> right, slowed out maybe, a
1: little bit. i was telling you man but i'm telling you professional critic effects. here you know <laughs>
0: <laughs> Perfect. actually I don't know if it's multiple seasons or not I, I, I think I'll be interested to see how they tell that story It is a it is a one shot deal though right Like it's it's the book Shogun and that's it Now the author which I want to talk about the author here in a second The author did go one. on to write other epic sagas
1: The Asian saga f-
0: Asian, f- From different time periods in Asia But the, this particular story does start and end with one book
1: yeah, Shogun's the one I'm most familiar with. I've read some of a couple other ones, but stopped them for various reasons, even though I was quite enjoying them. And I'm kind of inspired now to up, pick up a few of them back up. Notably, the first one he wrote was actually more than semi-autobiographical because it's set in a prisoner of war camp run by the Japanese in Singapore during World War II. The same camp that he was a prisoner of war in after he was shot in the face and captured by the Japanese during World War II.
0: Yeah, and I have heard, of, or I've read that his interest in the Japanese culture stems from that time, right, when he was mm-hmm. a prisoner of war. And now, so when I read that, I thought, huh, now you would expect <laughs> sure. the, the portrayal of the Japanese to then be, uh, I would say, not maybe not kind or at least in a, in a negative light or focus on the maybe the violence or brutality of the culture. That is not what I got in Shogun at all. So kind of he's he's thrown me for a loop a little bit, knowing that he was a prisoner of war. Because what I got, maybe I'm wrong, was an intense reverence and respect for a different culture that he meticulously researched and made sure to get right, and that he presented as in a that way more ways than not more advanced to the culture than the culture the Western civilization was living
1: at that time. Hundred percent. I mean, it, it is. Unstinting in its portrayal of both the positives and negatives and the complexities and particularly the foreignness of the culture that we're exploring as it's going through this. As you said, it almost comes across as someone has stumbled into an elven village at times for the main character in the story in terms of how... Rivendell! Very much so, just in terms of how utterly foreign from a stake of what to expect, standards of morality, standards of what, you know, people are aspiring for in terms of what is a success in life or whatever else... Very much it has that aspect of it in ways that at times can be remarkably brutal. But the overall story is such a fascinating analysis and love letter when it comes to the medieval Japanese culture of that particular time. And I was looking into a little bit of the background of it. The book was so popular, was so influential, unlocked a a sense of Japan and a, a love of Japan to so many readers that five years after it came out, they did polls of college students that were doing either courses on Japanese language, Japanese history, or even just general East Asian studies, and up to fifty percent of them had read Shogun before they walked in the door. That's the effect it had in getting an entire generation fascinated when it came to Japan. It so changed how know. I
0: ate for a while. I, I remember real. that I started eating like smaller meals. I tried to like eat just like little pieces of protein with a lot of rice and a lot of vegetables, uh, the way it's described in the book. Uh, I've helped. Did you that feel better? A- uh, I did feel better. I've helped to that a little bit. I have not. I have tried to get away from big portions of proteins. Well, that was a lesson I took from the
1: book. One other thing that was fun, too, is that it was so successful for Japan that you know, the Japanese government even thanked him for the book. But also, uh, he, uh, James Clavel has admitted that he got an offer from an unnamed uh, Arabian petrochemical state that asked whether he would do a similar novel about them to also instill interest in their culture. He didn't say what country it was, only that they offered him a tanker of cash to do the book but apparently he refused.
0: So that's got to be early Dubai, right?
1: I, I don't yeah. know. He didn't specify. One of the Asian saga is actually set in Iran, but I bet I'm betting money it was not Iran that, that made him that offer.
0: No, 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 no. It had to be like the the people who were brainstorming and and starting to build what is now Dubai thinking this is going to be like Western, you know, the Midwestern Disney World right of uh, the Middle, Middle Eastern Disney World. Um Yeah. Okay. Well that, you know, learning the background about him is interesting. I I got from the novel that he likely spent years researching that exact time period. I know that there are parallels in the story to what really happened in that time period. Um, So it it very much does fall into historical fiction where it's like, it's it's set in historically, relatively historically accurate setting and with events that were occurring then.
1: To, to the point that most of the major characters, he changed their names, but they're there is they're an obvious stand-in for a real person that was occupying that role in that society,
0: including the another, main character. Another thing I'm excited about is that when you are watching, when you're reading the book, you do pick up some Japanese because he's he, you do. He's, That's the fun you part. Get, you're getting a first person of somebody who doesn't know the cultures, right? So when he hears Japanese, he doesn't understand it, and 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 he, you know, Clavel doesn't you know translate it for you so you're just reading these words that you don't know and you start to learn them along with the pov character
1: it's one of my favorite things he does in there because so many books when they're doing and then the other characters spoke in a foreign language they don't give you the foreign language they just treat it as gibberish or off camera or the narrator's referring to something this kyle is perfectly willing to just give you untranslated japanese for extensive periods and then you will just slowly start to learn them with the character, the point that you can go back after reading a few hundred pages and suddenly the conversations that started the book are perfectly legible because you've actually learned Japanese as the story goes on.
0: Yeah, I wonder if they're going to be able to recreate that in the show. Um, likely not, because, you know, hearing something once is a lot different than, than reading it, you know, multiple times. Over 1,300 pages, he had a lot of space <laughs> to teach you. Hey, hey the first um, draft
1: was 2,300. <sighs> Had to, ah, had to pare value down, editors,
0: right? You <laughs> had to pare down a thousand pages. Unbelievable. Um, yeah, so that's what I'm excited about. I, I think this is going to be a, a really good time for us to review this. I know that a lot of folks who have come with us from multiple shows have said, never heard of Shogun, don't know what this is, didn't know this was coming out, but I'm going to watch it because you guys are doing it. I appreciate those people. And I think that if anything, if you get nothing else from it, you will at least get delighted, Spencer, for eight episodes, which would be a lot of fun
1: a rare enough thing to experience but what i'm happy to experience with you
0: okay any other de- any other uh thoughts here before we jump off as we sort of prep for our episode by episode review of Shogun?
1: Uh, we have not yet discussed other segments beyond simply going to a spoiler review at the end we'll vet those introduce those when the first episode starts but I, man this is going to be an exciting journey i'm curious to see how well this adaptation does because we've lamented in some ways for adaptations over the last couple of years that the writers have felt free to kind of do their own thing, despite, you know, re- the reasons people would want an adaptation to occur in terms of seeing the work put on the screen. And I'll be really interested to see where this strikes the balance when it comes to trying to adapt something that is far too unwieldy to do in nine episodes, but finding the right medium to accomplish it in.
0: Yeah, I agree, and it's actually going to be ten. It's I just looked at ah, that, that 10, fixes 10 everything. Ten episodes, um, at least for this first part here. We'll see if that they conclude the story or not. They have not really uh, explained that, which they they don't want to, right? They, they want you to they want you to follow the story as you go, and then they'll they'll let you know when it's over. Uh, it Wouldn't be a Mangum Talks podcast if it didn't plug something else. Uh, I'm also doing a podcast with BJ, which you know from a number of other Mangum Talks podcasts. We are going to. Episode by episode through Deep Space Nine as I learned the Star Trek universe.
1: I legitimately can't believe this. Yep. legitimately Legit- can't. You, you, you are such an utter neophyte when it comes to Star Trek, and you started just jumped right into Deep Space Nine to make this happen.
0: You want to know what I learned in episode one?
1: What did you learn in episode one of Star the, Trek pa- Deep Space Nine?
0: Patrick Stewart's character was named Picard.
1: We are really starting at the utter utter foundation <laughs> sure. of this of the, of, of, yeah, welcome but, to the world of the star trek fandom sir the trekkies insane. embrace you
0: it's like right after learning how to spell trek yeah i i, I certainly is starting from nothing we are we are going to do um a review of deep space nine one way or another so check that out over in the podcast called inside trek it's called inside trek that's the podcast we're doing on a star trek review uh, episodes and we will be back with you uh here on this podcast, this is Mangum Talks Shogun. Now we are cross-listing this podcast, this intro podcast, with a number of our other pod feeds where people have um, watched uh, breaking down uh, the silo, watched the, the silo with us, and have watched um, uh, with, over on Lumen Industries Radio. Uh, they watched Severance with us too. We're going to cross-list on both of those, Lumen Industries Radio and breaking down the silo, because uh, you know those folks are kind of wondering what's next, so this will tell them. If you don't want to follow us over, you're not interested, uh, then don't go, but you, otherwise, uh, go over to the podcast feed of Mangum Talks Shogun and subscribe. We're excited. We're delighted. we We're to be back with you to review episode one. We'll see you then.